You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Gets to our faith just from being alive and in this world and going through, you know, our third year of the pandemic and, and kind of coming out of it right now. There's all hits that we've had. Yes. We know all of us are going through different challenges mm-hmm. and different things in our faith. So encourage us this morning. Uh, give us the faith we need to make small decisions that lead to huge, huge results. That and, and what I mean by results is being closer to you, right. to doing things that uh, build faith so that our faith can be exercised and grow. God, so we love you. Bless our time. Thank you for everyone being out here this morning, worshiping, spending time together. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Here's a great scripture. In, in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 17, it says, From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. In the Holman Christian translation, it says, For I bear on my body scars for the cause of Jesus. Now, you know, if you've lived long enough in the church, right, you're going to have some scars for the cause. Like even that, like, you know, for doing good, right? Many of you have been sacrificing for years, you know, and and you could have bought a nicer house, but the last 25, 28 special missions contributions gave you the house that you have. You, You could be in a different one, though. That, that could be a scar if you don't handle it correctly, right? Like all of us, if you've been married, how many of you are married in here? All right. Young married, right? Young married. They're all the ones always doing that. Those are, and that's awesome. Old marrieds do it too. If you're revived, right? If you're revived. Some of us who are married, we're like, we're not going, uh-uh. We're like, uh. It's rough right now. You know, I need my spouse to change. Yeah, that never works, right? That never works. But all of us, think about that passage. Paul was talking about how he had scars from the cause, for being involved in the battle. And all of us have that. I wonder, look around the room for a minute. And as beautiful as the people that you're looking at right now, everybody has some kind of scars to some degree. You know, and, and one of the things I got to share, emotionally, physically, right? I got to share that. That was my lesson. And I talked about, you know, probably for the last decade for me is this term, leading but bleeding. You know what that is? Like, like, like I'm leading as a leader in God's kingdom, but I'm also, I've taken so many hits per, personally, but also professionally, that I'm also bleeding while I'm leading. And if, you, if you've been around, you know what that means. Like you're yeah. living life, but you got some holes in you that yeah. need some healing. Yeah. But, but you know, you don't just get this. Life doesn't stop, right? It doesn't just like yeah. your boss is just going to go, okay, take, take a year off yeah. so you can heal. That doesn't always happen. You got to kind of work through it and live as you go, but you have these holes in you. And that's kind of how I look at how I've characterized my last 10 years of my life. And if you're going through that time... It, you know, I hope today will encourage you in your faith. If you got some scars, if you've come to the church going, man, I need a word from God today that, that can encourage my soul because no matter what I do, I still feel empty sometimes. I still feel wounded, yeah. right? I hope this will encourage you. And I want to look at one passage in Isaiah 43. You know, God's people had gone through 70 years of captivity and exile. Think about your 
worst year or discouraging season that you've ever been in? Can you can you bring that up to mind? Oh, yeah. Don't worry, I'm not going to have you share it with everybody. Okay, no, but you can probably think about a time where it was very difficult for you spiritually, right? Now, times that by 70 years. Could you handle that for 70 years? No. <laughs> Everybody's like, no. <laughs> one month is, one week is enough, right? A month, but 70 years. That, that's what God's people were going through. A time of crisis. Imagine a crisis that happened in your life, but it lasts for 70 years, okay? Uh, that's a long, long time, right? That's, go back to 1952 for a second. How many of you were born before 1952? 1952 or 52. Okay. There's like three of us here. Right? Congratulations. In 1952, we were in the Korean War. The United States was in the Korean War. A dozen eggs cost 25 cents. One pound of hamburger meat, 53 cents. One pound of burger or bacon, 53 cents. A gallon of gas... 15 cents? 20 cents. A lot of us would like to go back to 1952 for the gas, right? Absolutely. A rent per month, $80. A new car costs $1,700. An average house, three bedroom, two bath, $9,050. The polio vaccine was developed in 1952. That's what was going on. And God's people... We're enduring 70 years of crisis of being under a foreign nation. But he had a plan for them and was taking them out of that plan, bringing them back to life. And that's what I want to talk about today. Okay. And in Isaiah chapter 43, in verse 18, he tells them two things about moving forward and leading these people who are stuck in a situation after 70 years. Make no mistake. You ever heard of that term stuck in a rut? Yeah. That's there for it's it's easy to do actually because it's easy to be stuck. I mean, how many of us have been trying to lose weight for decades? Don't raise your hand. Amen. Yeah, right? And you're right ready to lose weight and then somebody brings two, you know, two dozen Krispy Kremes. Right? And then you're like, "Hey, you know what? We'll start on Monday." <laughs> we'll start on Monday about our new diet that we're going cuz these Krispy Kremes look like they could help us spiritually and save souls, right? They can feed us to save some souls. It's crazy how we make things up. In verse 18, here's what it says. Here's what God told Isaiah to tell his people. In verse 18, it says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm, a, I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. To give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. How did God move his people out of 70 years of being stuck in a rut? Is he told them two things. Number one is, don't dwell on the past. Now, it's there's so much psychology about the reason why we dwell okay, on the past. And the second thing he told them was to look for his path. That God would provide a plan, a way out of the wilderness... And a path back to Jerusalem, but he would also provide them protection. You know, he would also provide, have provisions for them. He would give them water in the wasteland when they didn't have water going back. 
and he would have the he would protect him from animals because all the animals honored him. And so God had a plan, he had provision, and he and he also provided protection for his people. All they needed to do was take a step. So let's talk about the first thing when you're going through crisis is to not dwell in the past. Man, you know, coming back from London, I watched like, you know, it's like an 11-hour flight. So obviously, I watched like four or five movies, right? And one movie I watched was Extraction. I don't know if you guys saw that movie before. And here's a quote uh, about this idea of like uh, not dwelling in the past, okay? It's that it's easy to dwell. And that's what God was telling his people. He said, forget, forget the last 70 years, guys. I wish it's that simple, though. The problem is, is when you're dwelling in something, where you're stuck in something that you can't get out of. And in this quote, it says, you drown not by falling in a river, but by staying submerged in it. So the issue when you're going through crisis isn't if the crisis happens to you, it's if you stay in it for a long period of time. And that's where the dwelling happens, right? And you can understand how this is. And that's what God was trying to tell his people, not to dwell. I read this article in April of 2020 on a website called, if you ever want to check out a pretty awesome website, this website is called verywellmind.com, verywellmind.com. And it's a website that is made up of licensed psychiatrists, psychologists, neurologists, mental health experts, and therapists that help us to learn how to prioritize mental health and find balance in our life. And in this article, it talks about the psychology of why we dwell in the past. You know, I, I, when something tragic or something, I go through a difficult time, it's easy for me to focus on that, you know, and, and not focus forward and not have forward thinking, but be stuck and go. And I always ask the why question, which I never get the answer to, right? And we all know we're not going to get that answer, but somehow keep asking that same question. And it, what, what I found and what psychologists have, have kind of helped me with is this idea of what's called a negative bias. Anybody know what a negative bias is? A negative bias is, it's called, it's called uh, positive negative asymmetry. And it's this idea that your brain is somewhat hardwired to respond to negative stimuli more than positive stimuli. And it's, 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 there's this tendency to remember negative events in our lives more than the positive ones, but it also causes you to dwell on it as well. So if you've ever struggled with, I want to do this, but I, here's all the reasons why I can't, right? There, there's some psychology to that if we can, we can think about it and be aware of it so we can learn to combat it. And that's also, this psychological phenomenon is also the reason why humans can remember traumatic events better than positive ones. That we react, we, we can, we respond, we recall insults more than praise. Like you could be a parent, right? And your kid brings home four A's and one B plus and you focus on the A's instead of the four A's right and your kid guess what they remember they remember the comment about the B plus and that's why it happens like that is because our brains are kind of hardwired to go down that path just by default so even more so, if we can become aware of our negative bias, that when we're going through crisis, it can help us not to dwell on our situation. And so what can we do about that? Well, we can learn to learn from the past. Because we're all going to go through crisis. You're going to go through one, whether you did already or, or you're on your way in it this year. 
you know, but learn from it. And I shared this at our midweek service one, this word, this Chinese word for crisis. And it's a beautiful word, crisis, because it has two kanji characters with this word of crisis that means danger, but it also means opportunity. So when you're in a crisis, make no mistake, there is danger there, right? There's danger that you're going to go through, but there's also opportunity that's there if you can handle it correctly. What a beautiful word, right? Like when you're in crisis, remember, the danger's right there, but there's also a lot of opportunities for growth and newness that can come about in it. When I was in school for two years, you know, getting my uh, master's degree or a graduate degree, one of the first lessons we learned is just think about this phrase. Disruption is the grounds for new creation brought about by the Spirit. So when you have disruption in your life, it is the very ground that brings in the possibility of newness. It's the same principle as death leads to life. Like when you when you die, you lead to it leads to life as well. It's the principle of the cross, right? Learning how to have cruciform theology. You learn to die to things in order for new life to come about. You see how when I said disruption brings in the possibility of new ways of thinking, nobody said amen. Because we don't like the disruption, right? Who wants to go through a marriage challenge right now that could almost lead you to divorce? Exactly, Lexis. Not her. Not me too. But but there's things that are going to come up in our lives that cause disruption. Oh, yeah. Remember, when you're in the disruption, just pay attention to how the Spirit may be working in it to bring about the possibility of newness. Yeah. Disruption definitely brings in new ways of thinking that you didn't have before yeah. that disruption. You know, if you're like on the verge of bankruptcy, I bet you're going to take your finances. I bet you're going to look at it a little differently after that. Yeah. But you may not look at it until that way. Well, you hope you would, right? You might be dwelling on some things. So consider that, amen? And I hope this helps us to look at crisis and trials and difficulty. Perhaps, I don't know if I'd like to say in a positive way. I, I don't know if I'm ever there. But I'm much more aware that disruption brings in the possibility of incredible newness and new creation in your life. The opportunity is there. Uh, and so think about that. The second thing I want, so don't work on not... As, as God's people were coming out of those 70 years, the first thing he told them was don't dwell on the past. Learn to learn from lessons from that and let's move forward together. The second thing he told them was to look for his path, right? That he found a way to get there. Now, as God provides a plan, has provision and protection for each of us, that path that God has for you and for me will look different for every person though. So if you're a person that likes to imitate and likes to copy what somebody else is doing, that may not be the solution for you. Because God has a certain path for you, just like he had a certain path for his people to get out of 70 years of captivity. And he wanted them to go back home to Jerusalem to experience life. He was literally bringing them back from death. But they needed to do a couple things. One was not to dwell on the past. The second was to look for, look for his path that he would provide for them. And uh, that was a that was an encouraging thing. Isn't that that's isn't that encouraging yeah. to know that God has a path out of your crisis? Yeah. But the the thing is, instead of looking down so much, look up and look around for that path. And all the Israelites needed to do was to just take a step forward into that new direction that God had for them. And because God loves you, He's going to provide a way for you in in the crisis that you're in or whatever difficulty you're going through. Yeah. Now, does anybody know? 
how far it is from Babylon to Jerusalem. As God was taking his people, go, I'm going to take you to Jerusalem. I'm going to provide the path for you. I'm going to give you a plan, provision, and protection for you. You just got to take a step. Do you know how long that journey was? No. Okay. From Babylon to Jerusalem was 1,678-mile walk. Wow. That's like from Long Beach to, the, to Missouri, where we went to the Reach Conference in 2016. You remember that? Imagine walking from Long Beach to Missouri. That's a little under 1,700 miles. How many months do you think that would take us? If we said, hey, today, guys, I got a great idea. Leave everything at home. Right after the last song today. I hope you got your walking shoes, man, because we're walking to Missouri. How many of you are going to follow me? There's nobody in here that would follow me right here. One, one in the back. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. About three months. Next week you get to eat first at our agape feast, okay? Three months. Nobody would follow. But think about that. That's oh, in the back. Yes, thank you, Don. Okay, two people, three two months. faithful people. I don't know if my wife. I don't think my wife raised her hand. <laughs> But think about it. That's a long journey. The point is, the path to newness, the path back to life, doesn't just happen overnight either. It takes a little bit of time. But God is with you along for the journey that you're on. Amen? And so just consider that. The journey to health, to newness, to being back, brought back to life doesn't happen overnight. It didn't happen. Like you're not going to, if you're trying to lose 50 pounds, it ain't happening by next Thursday not gonna happen i know we would like it to happen but it's not gonna happen if you're trying to get a new job it takes some time sometimes right if you're trying to change some paradigms in your marriage that you've been living a certain way for so long it's gonna take some time it didn't happen overnight for the israelites so it's not gonna happen necessarily like that for us and all that was required is they go in that new direction all of them take a step forward there now notice god called all of them to do it not just the leadership, but the people as well. And they all started doing it. And they fell, they fell down many times. They, they, you know how it is, the Israelites, right? They, they start something, a journey for God, and then they get hardship. And you know what they say? Oh, God, why did we ever come out of Egypt? Right? That whole bit right there. Let's go back to slavery kind of like mentality. That's what they, were, that's what they would say all the time. But it's amazing to me how God would take them out of it and... They would be on this journey and if they just took a single step every day. And don't underestimate something that is small in God's kingdom. In fact, in God's kingdom, slow is fast. Small is large, right? Like a little bit of yeast can work through 50 pounds of dough, of flour. Because that's the paradigm in God's kingdom. So even if you take... A little step. Like say you're this morning like, I don't even know if I can make go to church today. And you showed up today. That's an awesome thing, man. That's an awesome thing that God can do a miracle in. It, does, it doesn't mean you're, you're like, you know, you're preaching that week and all that. It just means you just were, you were stuck a little bit and you took a single step. And all those things add up though over time. It's cumulative, right? When you build like that, you take a little step every single day. You know, you're struggling with this sin here. You just take a, you know, if, you, if you're trying to lose weight and you just make the decision, hey, you know what? I'm not going to have soda for the next month. That's a huge decision to make, you know, or I'm not going to have sugar. That's a big, that's bigger. 
Hardly any amens on that one right there. Yeah, I'm, I love I love I love sweets as well. Uh, but if you do a little bit every day, it's cumulative over time. And so, if God was interested in His people doing something new, perhaps we should do some new things as well. And so, here's the practical. Okay, try something new in 2022. Say that with me. Try something in new in 2022. Say that. Just try something. Your negative bias is going to go, that takes a lot of work. I don't feel like doing that. And it's okay. You don't have to. You don't have to do that. But you're also going to get that result. Right? And so if you just do something small every day, Boy, because cumulativity can lead. They took one step and they, they were on their way back to Jerusalem and they did it together. And and so I want to close with a couple practicals that I did, okay? And again, this is sharing. I want to share with you the four-year journey that I've been on to getting back to spiritual health because I took some hits over the last couple of years that have been pretty debilitating for Grace and myself. In 2018, you know, I was kind of stuck. And what, what I want to say about this is when you're doing something new, instead of doing it alone, do it with someone else. Yeah. Try it in a communal way. The Israelites went on this journey back to Jerusalem together. Yeah, they didn't do it by themselves. The, 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 I would put before you that the people who learn to pull others in their lives and do it together as a group have a better chance at long-term change than just doing it by yourself, trying to will your way through it, you know? Because if, if you have trauma in your life, baptizing somebody doesn't get you out of that trauma. It just gets that person wet and helps them be saved, and you still have trauma in your life. You cannot baptize your way out of trauma. You can't baptize your way out of having a rough marriage, right? You can have more faith, though, when you see that person get baptized and you're involved in the process there. But but if you have hits to your faith where you're leading and bleeding or you're living and bleeding, where you're having difficult time, man, you, you have to address that. And the conference, what was so different about this conference was that it was entitled Revive. And we weren't, for the majority of the conference, it was talking about how ministers can get spiritually healthy. To address some of the needs that you have in your life that these guys have. Like imagine a minister who's been in a war for 40 years. Do you think they're going to come back a little off? What if you were in the military for, for at war for 20 years? Do you think you might come back with some needs? Well, that's what we were addressing at this conference. It was so awesome. And everyone was encouraged because we go, we all, we all realize we have needs. Just like you realize you have needs, right? And you can come to church and all that, and that's awesome. But over time, unless you address those needs, you're gonna be you're gonna be stuck somewhere along the way. And that's what was really great. In 2018, I felt very stuck, so I went back to school, right? Many of you know you were part of my journey in getting a theological degree, and that was outstanding. My cohort was awesome. I learned so much new things about theology over strategy. And, and I had such an encouraging time there. But that was that was those two years I was I was in school and I was up to my neck in school. I, I wouldn't encourage everybody to start going back to school at fifty. But hey, man, you know it was a it was a it was a unique thing. At least I tried, right? My wife's going to be going back to school, uh, getting her uh, you know marriage and family therapy uh, in, in in pretty soon. And and I'm on break this time. You know that's awesome. 
but in 2019, I did grief recovery with, with the Webbers. And we had a, our grief recovery specialist and the Webbers and, and Grace and I were doing it together. And the, the beautiful thing is we were doing it together. And, and, I, and you know, guys, if you've never been to grief recovery, just talk to Tian Vu. Tian is the summa cum laude oh, of grief recovery. You know, he, he's, oh, he's, he, if you need to talk, because grief is one of those things that is cumulative over time. Every time you have a loss in your life, that stays you. So imagine like carrying a bag of rocks, right? Imagine carrying a bag of rocks and every time you lose a job or, or, or you lose a loved one or, or something happens where you experience loss in your life, moving to a new city, something happening traumatic in the church. Every time you have some kind of loss, it's like putting a, a, a brick inside your bag and you're carrying that. And, and I remember for I carried I carried the loss of my grandmother and how she died and how I had to make decisions for her. And she died tragically quickly. You know, I carried that for 19 years. Come on, but going through grief recovery helped me let it go. To the point where I could go visit my grandmother's grave and not just fall apart and weep and feel like a bad son. You know what I mean? And that's what I had to deal with. You know, and those are some of the things that I went on my journey. And it was awesome. Uh, there's about 25 to 30 different things that can cause grief in your life. So, And one day, it, and it happens like this. You wake up one day and you're like, you ever said, oh, I don't know if I can keep doing this anymore. You ever said that before? Yeah. You, have a lot, you, you have a lot of grief probably. That's just built up over time and, and don't have a way to release that grief. If you're a caregiver and you take care of your parents or you take care of your grandparents, there's a lot of grief that comes from that. And that's a very noble thing to do. But you're part of that process and perhaps need some healing in that process as well. So consider that awesome. Again, you don't have to do this. And you know what's funny with grief recovery? Because grief is difficult to deal with, you know, when you make an announcement, hardly anybody signs up for it. Who wants to go to grief recovery? But, you know, I think Joseph, he looks sad right now. I think he should sign up for grief recovery. Look at James. He doesn't look too fired up when he was singing. He needs grief recovery. Every The person who actually needs grief recovery is usually the last one that thinks they need it. Right? And because grief is difficult to deal with and you, you lose your way in it because it's so hurtful and, and, and harmful sometimes. Right? To, to have to deal with all your emotions that have been dormant for like 15 20 years and when it comes out it's like whoa that's a new person right there but anyway that's a whole nother recovery you can go to after that but as we did that you know wow i i I got rid of some things i was able to let some things go in my life that helped me to have bring life back into my life in 2020 in 2020 we started doing those you know we started doing those spiritual workshops in our church right with turning point and with valley church do you know why we're doing that guys you know why we're doing those spiritual workshops that attend to just your what's going on in your own heart it's because we want people to we need time and space to be able to heal things that have happened to us over the years just from being a christian for a long time you know just because you're saved doesn't mean you're healed internally Right? It means you're going to heaven, but as Alexis would say, hurt people hurt people. You do. And and a lot of times ministers are hurt. They've been hurt and they've been good soldiers, but they can't be good soldiers anymore. Why? They're trying, but there's nothing inside already, right? So they needs to have some of that time healed. And as as our churches age, everybody's gonna experience loss like they've never had before. 
And so, you know, different ways our church is navigating this right now so that we can provide space so that people can heal and get back to doing what they love doing, which is serving God with all their heart. Amen. 2020, that happened. 2021, Robert was doing a learning lab for his doctorate program. Grace and I were part of his eight-week learning lab with about seven or eight ministers from all over the United States. And you know, one of the things we learn, all of us are hanging on. All of us are going leading but bleeding, if you will. All of us are going through different challenges and actually attending to it, though, and getting the help we need so that we can continue doing what we love doing. It's been an awesome thing. And that's what Robert is doing with spiritual formation. So if you've ever wondered why he's getting his doctorate in that, is because we've been a fellowship for 40 years, basically, that have been on the go, on the move, that, that hasn't always attended to what's happening inside internally to people. And so our region is growing from the inside out right now, which is getting people, we have spontaneous spirituality, right? Where things just start to happen in the church because people are doing it on their own. No leader is telling them what to do. The first church planting in the in the book of Acts in Antioch was not done by a group of leaders getting together, getting a team together and planting that team in Antioch. It was a group of young Christians going through persecution. And because the persecution was so rough in Jerusalem, they all left Jerusalem and spread the word as they went. And a church popped up because of that. That's the kind of Christianity we've been moving toward where we're dealing from the inside and God just takes care of the rest there. The the last thing I want to share and then I'm out of here is this. In 2022, I started seeing a professional therapist. And that has been such a game changer for me. I wish I did this 25 years ago. I was I was telling some ministers at this conference because I shared I've been through 10 sessions and my my ther- I I called called texted my therapist because as I was sharing with the different ministers the things that I've been going through this different things that have been hard hard to deal with in in relationships like that have been very hurtful to me and how not to be a victim in it, right? Cuz if you're a victim, guys, just, you're doomed already if you just think you're the only victim in it. There's no hope for you in it if, if, if you're a victim in it. But if you choose not to be a victim in it, just like the Israelites chose to take a, take a step forward after 70 years of being in a rough situation, there was so much hope in it. And I've had about 10 sessions, and this, this therapist that I go to, he's like a jazz musician, you know, and he leads in a church. And he, he was kind of working me through some different issues just professionally. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist. And, and he teaches me. We talk about the Bible, though, in our, in our sessions, you know. And he, was ta- he talks to me about the psychology of Jesus and how Jesus dealt with hurt and how Jesus with, dealt with trauma and difficult, how he dealt with betrayal, how he dealt with everybody deserting him. And I thought, wow. That's the, and then, you know, I was going every week and then I started to heal. I started doing some exercises yeah, and, really. and starting to heal again. And I can just feel life coming back to me just because I'm in these sessions, right? And doing some work inwardly. And, and then he was like, hey, you know, I feel like you're a lot more healed to the point where let's just do once a month. I go, uh-uh, I'm not doing once a month, bro. <laughs> it's the best 30 bucks in my week right here, dude, for an hour. I, I want to keep doing it. Okay, well, how about we do twice a week then? Uh, that still seems a little like I'm getting ripped off here. But anyway, we'll do twice a week. So I've been doing twice, I mean, twice a month, right? I've been doing twice a month, just getting some help internally, just being able to talk to somebody else who's a professional in it and helping me walk through the different steps that I need to walk through to let go. 
you know, let go of some things that have been that I've been holding on to. And you know, here's the funny thing: I don't want to hold on to these things, but I don't know how to let go either. I know you want to go reach, just let go, bro. I I'm trying to, but it's difficult to do. And so it's been really great. So I texted my minister after the conference because about five other ministers came up to me and said, "Hey, bro." I think I, I think I may need to go to therapy as well. Yeah, let's do it together, bro. Let's talk together. Go to therapy, dude. You, but it's it's also an art form. You got to find the right therapist for you as well, right? It's not just the, the guys there and therefore poof, everything happens. It's not. You got to kind of work through that process, and it's been very encouraging. I feel like I have more life. The last thing I want to share is this: that has been very moving, and that's it. We'll take communion. Is remember the we had a beautification project weeks, probably months ago at uh, Nickerson Gardens. Those of you who are at that beautification project, right? Well, what ended up happening at that is about a month later, the same place that we were at doing a beautification project, there was a drive-by shooting that took place and some moms lost their sons in it. And so there was a healing circle that, that was happening at Nickerson Gardens and I was asked and called to be a minister that kind of participates in that. And, and this is why I, I want to close with this thought, why it's important to, to perhaps try some new things rather than just do the same old, same old. Is, you know, everybody knows that I went through a relational challenge that left me pretty damaged and hurt. And for, and for years already, I've been trying to forgive in it. And just because you say you want to forgive doesn't mean it actually happens, right? Yeah. And so I needed some help in it. But probably the thing that one of the things that helped move me along to letting go is being at this prayer circle or healing circle where I'm the one leading. I had a, we all had candles and on that candle, there's that little, you know, so you don't get it doesn't drip on you. Right. Uh, we all wrote uh, the people, people who that you've lost along the way. And I was actually saying a prayer for all those people that we've lost along the way to always remember them. And but while I was part of that prayer circle, a healing circle. The ladies who were there were the ones who lost their children. They were shot. They were killed. It was, you know, just tragedy. And and they were talking and sharing about how they forgive. Wow. That was more moving for me to see that. That that ministered to me. They think I was ministering to them. Yeah. But they were actually ministering to me. And I, it's almost like I was resaved in that moment. You know what I mean? I had one of those moments like I almost lost it. I'm supposed to do the prayer. You know, I was kind of like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, let's pray, gang. I was so into what was happening there and learning about God and where I'm at and, and how these people that I don't even know, the Spirit is working through their life and their ability to forgive a perpetrator that killed their son helped me to forgive, right? To see that take place helped me to do that so i'm just saying hey while it's difficult to try new things consider it because you might learn more in it than you possibly could imagine amen and so as we close today what do we learn our topic was about revival coming back to life well god's people were in a tough situation for seven years what did what did god say to them Try not to dwell on the past. Don't dwell on the past. Be aware of your negativity bias, right? That keeps you stuck in the past. The second thing is look for God's path. The practical today, try something. Let's go to God in prayer. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you for Jesus. For dying for us, for loving us, for forgiving us when we don't deserve it. 
we're grateful for just how you move in amazing, mysterious ways that could change our thoughts, change our mind, change our hearts. Bless our communion today. Thank you for everyone being here and participating as we are in community together. You certainly are in our midst. We love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com 